because our time is now because the champ is here welcome to the one broken cog podcast join john and brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts one broken cog podcast the people's champ back at it again man i got a great episode for you today you know, what I love about doing the podcast is being able to bring value to both employees and employers in regards to identifying problems, holding companies back from achieving their objectives, and really giving solid advice and tools to fix them. But what I also love is featuring guests that align with that purpose and bring a unique perspective on their field of expertise. People that are positive agents of change and specialize in addressing specific areas of business and answering questions that business owners really need answers to. Now, that leads me to my special guest today who's extremely passionate about helping both businesses and individuals. And who I'm referring to is Melissa Da Silva. Now, Melissa is an entrepreneur. She's a queer coach. Those are her words, not mine. Just want to preface that real quick. She's a podcast host, a therapist, and author. Now, to give you some background, in 2015, Melissa founded East Coast Mental Wellness in Providence, Rhode Island, a mental health agency where members of the LGBTQ community can find safe and specialized therapeutic services. Now, she started the business from nothing, and grew it to a six-figure business in less than three years. Now, she accomplished that by creating an environment in which clinicians have a place to do the work that they love so they can help clients change their lives for the better. Melissa is also the author of Profitable, The Profitable Practice, helping healing professionals build and grow a successful business, which helps healers and new business owners succeed. She's the creator and host of the successful LGBTQ podcast, Pride Connections, and Chit Chat with a Therapist, Melissa now spends most of her time working with clients that are in her queer career coaching program. Say that three times fast. She works with LGBTQ entrepreneurs, executives, and leaders who feel stuck and unfulfilled despite the appearance of success. And in just a few short sessions with Melissa, her clients have experienced positive shifts in their lives. Melissa, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Broken Cock Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I'm excited as well. It's a great opportunity to really learn a lot. And, you know, I got to just right, right out of the gate, I got to get the elephant out of the room. Queer coach. I've never heard of that term before. I'm sure you've probably trademarked it. What is it? What does it mean? And I, I could have sworn that's a negative connotation. Maybe you can explain a little bit more about that term. Right. That's the, that was um, the feeling for a lot of people when you use the word queer. But now the queer community is starting to take back that word. Um, it isn't a word that means a negative thing, especially in the community. It's almost like an umbrella for LGBTQ, non-binary, you know, everything under it. So it's just like the queer community. Um, so now it's not being used as a negative thing unless you're saying, oh, that person's a queer and, um, you know, you're not a part of the community then that can be a negative thing. But otherwise, we're taking that word back, and I am a queer coach. So I work pretty much with anybody as long as they're not narrow-minded or an asshole. <laughs> okay, there you go. And maybe what, what would uh, – <laughs> so under that umbrella, what would that be? Like maybe you can define some people you wouldn't work with. Um, people who are not open-minded, um, people who are very judgmental of others, people who do not want to have businesses that are, you know, changing the world for the better. Um, I really believe that we're all here connected to each other. We need to help each other along our journeys. And I just don't do not embrace the um, LGBTQ plus uh, lifestyle and, or the, you know, are an ally. Yeah, it's, a, it's okay. I got you. Now, what about um, 
if somebody has a different political ideology than you, would that constitute them as being, um, you know, not aligned with you or maybe not working with you? Or is that something you can overlook as long as they're a certain type of person? I think, you know, we do work with people who have different political views in everyday life, right? So I think that it's something that we can work around. But if it's just blatant discrimination that this person is like spouting, um, you know, there could be a opportunity for growth. But if there's not, then that wouldn't be a good person to work with me. Um, and I don't think they would enjoy working with me if that was the case. <laughs> there you go. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't click, right? Yeah. So what led you to the decision to start coaching LGBTQ business owners and entrepreneurs? Well, it started off where um, I was actually a school social worker at one time, and we had a student that was transitioning from male to female. No, female to male, actually. And we didn't have a lot of resources in our community for me to refer that student to. And me being somebody who likes to do tons of projects at one time, decided to start a business where I would be able to service that community. And moving out of a small town into a city of Providence, I started realizing that um, you know, being exposed to the LGBTQ community, realizing that I am attracted to both male and female, so I identify as bisexual, and just knowing that, you know, this was something that needed to be out and proud that we have a community and we need to have mental health where that community can feel safe to come to. Um, it's a great business, and I want to teach other people. And, you know, with, we're in line with, you know, my values and so that's why I reach out to the queer community as the queer coach. Okay, great, great. So what are the main issues do you think facing uh, the business owners you're working with today? Is there a certain theme or is it just all over the map? So one thing that I learned along the way is that it truly is lonely at the top, especially if you're your own business owner and you're running the show yourself. But then there's nobody really to talk to unless they've been through that themselves. And, you know, if you try to talk to your family about it and you are successful, sometimes you're, you shouldn't feel that way. Look how successful you are. So it can be really lonely to express, like, how you might be personal success. And that's what I find is like, okay, we've been successful. Now what? And usually it's that now what that we're trying to figure out. And what is that, do you think, most times? service to others. There's even been research that shows that once we have something that we feel like we're serving for others, it tends to, you know, unstick ourselves. We start to see the world outside of ourselves and it's good for the heart and soul. And sometimes as entrepreneurs, I think that we can get so stuck in ourselves in the day-to-day -day grind that we forget to reach out to others. Um, and that's really what a lot of this stuff uh, revolves around. And imposter syndrome, of course. Really? What's that? So imposter syndrome is, I think, something that most people probably feel is that from the outside, you look like you know what the hell you're doing. And in the inside, you're like, I'm so scared. I can't believe I'm pulling this off. Everybody's going to find out I'm a fraud. Um, wow. And I think even like the most successful people probably have bits of this feeling every once in a while. And, you know, to this day, sometimes I do too. Like I look around and I'm like, holy crap, I built this? And I'm waiting for somebody to find out, like, uh, you're not that smart. <laughs> so, but that's my own stuff, and that tends to be, like, my client's own stuff, too. 
And sometimes you're right. I mean, you, when you when you have clients, you kind of learn together, right? I mean, they learn from you, you mm-hmm. learn from them. It's like a cyclical thing. And we're always growing every day. I mean, nobody's, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? You always want to be around yes. somebody that inspires you, makes you better. So that's great. Um, anything that we should know right out of the gate as far as the LGBTQ community as it stands today, maybe there's some misconceptions out there. Maybe there's some issues that uh, that is not being covered and we don't know about that you'd like us to hear. I think one of the things that we a lot of people don't realize is that no matter where you are, you probably have met a gay person or a trans person or non-binary person. So, you know, it's not going to be out in the open all the time, but you pretty much have probably run into one of those in your lifetime. Um, and it's more... I don't know, probably the people think. And I think that we just need to be open-minded and not uh, assume that everybody's a heterosexual, cis-identified person. Um, and so I think that if we just go out with an open mind and not assume anything, that's probably the, the best thing that you can do. That's a good point. You know, I was looking up some stats and it's, it's amazing. It's over half, uh, around 53% of LGBTQ employees have heard lesbian and gay jokes at work, uh, while 37% heard bisexual jokes and 41% heard transgender jokes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it, So it's very interesting because some people say, well, that's a toxic work environment, right? Others say, hey, that's just being too politically correct. If you're offended, you're too sensitive, grow up. What do you think? What do you think about that, that stat? Well, I think that is very true. Um, we're still opening our eyes to these topics. I mean, I can remember back in the 80s when we were talking about sexual harassment in the workplace isn't okay. Um, So it's still something that we need to get used to that we need to be sensitive around other people. Um, And if it's going to be humor at the expense of somebody else, then it's not worth it. No, for sure. It says here the top reason why LGBTQ workers don't report negative comments to hear about themselves to a supervisor of human resources a, they don't think anything's going to be done about it, and they uh-huh. don't want to hurt their relationship with a coworker. I mean, can you believe it? So why do you think that is? I mean, is this something where we're not there yet, where we talk about culture and everyone's really – some people are concerned, some people are not concerned. But the stats prove that a great culture in a diverse office leads to more success. The statistics prove it, and people are trying to figure it out. Uh, do you think it's genuine or you think it's a PR move? I mean, what, what do you think? I think it depends on the company itself. Like, I'm very proud of our company. I would say that one third of our clinicians and staff identify as um, a member of the queer community. And that is very important to me. Um, And if somebody feels that, you know, they're being disrespected, I would hope that they would come and say something. Um, If they feel like they're being called by the wrong pronouns, you know, I would happily correct that person and it'd be important to teach why it's important to use the right pronouns. But I think it depends on the company itself and what it values. Um, So I would say it was individual. Um, So most big companies are required to do a culture and diversity training. And most of us go into those trainings thinking that we're not homophobic, we're not racist. But I think it's important that we go in not because we have to check this off our box, but that we go in ready to learn something new and just allow yourself to be humbled and continue to learn. Even if you work with a community every day, there's still something new that you can learn. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Have you ever experienced any discrimination or any type of uh, adversity in the workplace before you started your own practice and before you became the coach? I recently experienced something that was really interesting to me. I um, was meeting with a lawyer because he wanted to see if our agency would be able to help with some um, disability claims or whatever. And I gave him my business card and my business card has the rainbow triangle on it, which is like a universal um, symbol for, you know, being uh, LGBTQ friendly. Right. And I said that I was bisexual, identified as bisexual because I had explained to him what that rainbow was. And then when I said, well, my husband, it threw him, your husband. And I was like, yeah, I'm married. I'm attracted to both gender. And I think because he kind of made a fool of himself that he's too embarrassed to reconnect. Really? Uh, well, how do you make yeah. a fool of him? By asking what it was? Like, he, how, how in the world can you be bisexual and be married to a man? <laughs> like, that was like, it happens. And I haven't heard from that lawyer's office since. <laughs> so this man was uh, embarrassed because he questioned the fact that you were bisexual and married to a man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he was just jealous. Maybe he was like, man, I, that would be the ultimate find, you know, like the unicorn. Right, right. Um, I guess some men would feel that way. Others might feel differently. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Hey, you know, <laughs> different, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Exactly. But it's troubling because I look at a stat here, one-fifth, about 20% of LGBTQ Americans have experienced discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity when applying for jobs, Right. And you wonder how this is or, or why this is. You know, you wonder if it's a culture fit thing. Because if you think about it, there was a stat recently that 90% of managers would rather hire a good quote unquote culture fit versus skills and experience. And nobody can really define what that is. You know, I recently had somebody on, they were talking about getting a job during COVID. And her perspective was there's no such thing as a good culture or a bad culture, only a, you know, the lack of a fit, you know, between employer and employee. And I had mentioned, well, I could have sworn I've been in, a, you know, I've seen really bad cultures, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it, you, you have to wonder, people tend to flock to people like themselves. So you're wondering, you have to wonder, are they holding themselves back from growing as a business because, well, gee, this person is gay and they probably wouldn't fit in here. And that's why I'm not going to take them, even though they have a great experience, they have great background, great pedigree, they're smart, you're savvy, but it wouldn't work culture-wise. What do you think of that? Isn't that very odd to, to you? I mean, I'm not understanding this. I think that it isn't right, but it makes sense because when we don't understand something and we fear it, we're not going to jump into it. So I work with a lot of transgender clients. And, you know, if people see, like, my name is Melissa, but my preferred name is Mark, and somebody's not used to that, it might be like, oh, no, I'm not dealing with this nonsense. <laughs> right. um, because they don't know. It's fear. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or the fear that they might make a mistake. And, oh, my goodness, then there's a lawsuit, that type of thing. No, it makes sense. You know, it's, it, it, it's so interesting because they have the study about, like, 46% of workers are still in the closet, right? And then people mm -hmm. say, well, that's because we shouldn't be talking about sexuality at work. But – because they're closed and they can't be themselves at work, obviously they're hearing those jokes because people don't know that they are that way. Uh, they have all of these negative emotions and they have all this negative impact from not being themselves, right? Being able to be free as themselves. 
What, what do you think mm. about that? And, and it makes sense that to, as an example to come to work, let's say at an office like yours where they know, hey, I can be myself. I can let my hair down. I'm not going to offend anybody. I can be myself and I feel free and clear and I don't have to worry about anything. Uh, what do you think about this? And I, I mean, also on the back end of that question, don't you think it would be good to be inclusive? Meaning that if I'm an HR or if I am in the hiring department, I should obviously know that diversity means something here. And if I bring somebody in who's different, that may be a good thing. It may be a good thing. Mm. I the opposites attract or you know, the best duos are different, you align. So you'd have to wonder. It's like, hey, if I put this person here, that would be a good thing, a good ambassadorship because now they're exposed to somebody different. They realize it's not that bad and it's just positive energy comes out of it. I'm not sure what, what you think about that. Yeah, I think it could go that way or the person can feel like the token queer person. Um, that's true. You know, like, that is true. <laughs> yeah. Like a mascot. Or something. Um, I have some client. Yeah. I mean, diversity and culture, June comes around. It's pride month. Hey, let's get our only gay person on the diversity and culture, you know, bandwagon here. Um, and that does happen sometimes. So it's, it's a balancing act that you kind of have to have to have is that, um, you know, we treat everybody equally and we just, you know, have this assumption that, you know, not everything is how it appears. And in my um, company, we just assume everybody is queer and just go from there. (laughs) Um, And and as like years have gone on, I think I've carried that out in my life. Like if I don't know what somebody uses for their pronouns, I'll use they, them, because it's not my job to kind of figure out what their gender is. and it just takes practice and exposure. But yeah, it would be good to have more diversity in groups. But I can also see why people stay closeted because sometimes it's dangerous to come out, especially if you're a trans woman of color. There's statistics that show that they depends on safety too. You wonder if that has to do with reach. I mean, it's funny. I, I live in California. So, you know, out here, I mean, obviously there's still discrimination but it's nowhere near how it is in other areas of the country and so for me it's interesting because i don't understand the way other people think because i'm just i've been born and raised here so i've been exposed to all this stuff very early on but uh it's it's so interesting to me how people think and what they do you know when i was very very young you know i i come from it's it's i, I have a very interesting household my dad's side of the family is all conservative. They all live in other states. They live in Idaho and other places. But my mom's side, which lives here, they're all Democrats. You can imagine uh, family dinners are very interesting. Gosh, um, yeah. I've, and I've always been in the middle. It's, everybody's been always trying to vie for my, uh, my vote for some strange reason. It's, it's very interesting. I'm at the middle for some reason. Yeah, so I, get, I got both sides of the house. And I remember in my first boss, the person who actually gave me my start was uh, you know, openly gay and entrepreneur. And it was funny. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. And I met him when I was 20 years old. And he would mess with me and say jokes. But I knew his heart. I knew where he was coming from. And I would laugh. And I, you know, I'd kind of come back at him. And he knew my heart. And he knew where I was coming from. But we were, it was never crossing the line. It was very, never nasty, right? Mm-hmm. Never mean-spirited. But uh, do you think, you know, a couple questions. It may be controversial. Do you think the media has a lot to do with this animus between certain people, you know, either politically or religion-wise or sexual orientation-wise. And what I mean by that, let me frame this up here. I don't know if you saw this, but on CNN, Don Lemon recently did a piece a couple of days ago, and he was talking to Chris Cuomo, and he said to him, listen, I want to set the record straight. The black community, which Don Lemon happens to be black, he said, we don't want to defund the police. 
Okay. There is an assumption that we do because of the media, right? And it's the fringe people that want to do this. We actually need more police in our communities to, and obviously, you know, police reform is needed and things of that nature, but Mm -hmm. we, this is not what we think. So the reason I'm mentioning this to you, Melissa, is because maybe there's certain people in the LGBTQ community that can say things that would incite the other side and kind of, you know, pour gasoline on it, but that's not necessarily reflective of the entire community, right? Do you think the media has something to do with that or it's just maybe just a- Oh, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, the whole transgender bathroom thing, like what a ridiculous issue to have a conversation about. Nobody wants to see anybody else's thing going on in the bathroom, whether you're trans or not. You know, it's just like, (laughs) it's, it's, Definitely the media does throw, you know, gasoline on a lot of fires because it sells, really, it just sells. No, it does. You're absolutely right. Now, what do you think about, you know, you mentioned gender pronoun. That's a great topic because I've been hearing mm. a lot about this and people are puzzled by it. It's very confusing. I was looking at a chart and I'm thinking, man, I don't know how to even navigate this thing. Do you think it's necessary or do you think this is really a topic where it's just trying to rub salt in the wounds, you know, meaning that, Hey, listen, we, this is a demand that we have and you must adhere to it. Maybe you can explain what the gender pronouns are and why it's come into play. Cause I think this is, is it a, more of a recent move to do this? Right. I think it's a more recent move to shed some light on it, but especially for the non-binary or um, non-gender conforming community, that has been around since the beginning of time. There are people who do not identify as either male or female. It's just a fact of life. It's not black and white. And that's just the way it's always been. But because I think through our history and society, it's either having to be black or white, male or female. But now we're starting to be like, you know what? It's time to us to kind of, you know, get out there and say like, no, there, there are other genders too. And so, you know, And even if you think about our language, when learning like Spanish, you have the male and female um, versions of words. And so if we were to throw in non-binary, like, would that mess up the whole language? Um, So we've really built a lot on these two binaries of male and female. But when really there are in-betweens and there always has been. So it's not a new thing. It's just a new thing that people are starting to become educated on. Do you think that will slowly matriculate into the office and, uh, you know, make its way there uh, as far as maybe HR trainings or inclusion trainings or actually having to use these pronouns with employees? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's even going into schools, too. Schools are starting to realize, like, oh, we need to figure out, um, you know, our computer system. The person does not identify as male anymore. So the report card should, re- like, report that this is not a male. This is a female. Um, so, yeah, it's starting to trickle down to, to everything, I think. Now, is that with somebody who actually transitions to a female from male, or is that just somebody, let's, let's just say me, Brian, I say, you know what, I want to identify as a female. What, how, where do, where does, how do you determine how that works? Um, that would be up to you um, if you identify as male or female or non-binary. Um, and then if you feel that you want to change your name legally and your gender, each state has a different way of going about that. Um, but it's that individual's um, journey. Right, right. Now, what do you say to the people? Because I've heard a lot of this, okay? People have actually told me this, mm-hmm. that I think that – I'm not sure if it's a trans community where they make up 1% of the United States. Well, somebody told me it could be 3%. I'm not sure. 
not sure the actual percentage, but it's anywhere between one to three percent. Is it fair for one to three percent of the population to dictate how others, you know, like rewriting the rules of na- the naming conventions, you know, the, the, like the gender pronouns? Doesn't the one percent control most of our lives right now anyway? <laughs> well, I, don't know, I don't know if they so does it really matter <laughs> I mean it doesn't matter like what one percent it is it could be the one percent the most wealthy in the country or one percent who identifies non-binary or change their pronouns um, I think that we should be accommodating to uh, everybody as much as possible what about let me ask you this quick question now you're a female entrepreneur right um, yes and I mean, it shouldn't make a difference. I mean, entre- people are people, right? I mean, entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs. The only I bring, the only reason I bring up female, is because there have been times where females have been discriminated in the workplace and in business. You know, let's be honest about this, right? So, oh yeah, still how, to this day. Yeah, how has your journey been as far as climbing the ladder, and have you experienced any discrimination along the way? Um, you know, even in the gay community, who knows? I mean, maybe. You know, I don't know. It could even a gay man could be discriminated against women. I don't. I don't know. That's why I want to throw it out there, see what you think, and, and maybe share your journey as a female entrepreneur. You know, I've always kind of like kind of stuck it to people about the whole female thing, especially at Home Depot. Like, if <laughs> you know, I'm always been the handy person in relationships, and I will straight out say like, because I have a pair of breasts does not mean I don't know how to use a screwdriver. Um, so I've always been kind of like, don't assume because I'm female that I can't do something because I will prove you wrong twice over. Um, and that's just always been my mentality. So I don't feel that I have had too much discrimination, but there's been things like if I go to Staples to buy a computer, they'll assume that I'm not the business owner. I'm buying it for, you know, my male boss or something like that. But like, I am the business. So people just assume sometimes that um, the female is not the business owner. But, you know, I let people know because it's hard work. It really is. Have you ever run into any issues where, you know, because I've seen this before where let's say a female manager, people, you know, usually it's older men have issues reporting to a female or working for one. Have you ever ran into that or, or you just been very, very lucky in avoiding it? Um. I think with the people that I hire, they know that I am very straightforward and, you know, there's not going to be any like afraid to answer to me because I tend to be a bit scary. Um, So if they're not going to want to come to me, it's because they're afraid that I might be too assertive. Um, But, you know, that depends on the people I hire, really. And if they can't handle that, then they slowly weed themselves out. There you go. Yeah, that comes down to the culture fitting in, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you've been a a very successful therapist. You you have a couple locations now under your belt. What's really the best thing about being a therapist? For me, it's been um, the honor of being on the journey with my trans clients from when they're figuring out what their identity is to, you know, five years down the road, you know, just living their life to their best because they were able to take that journey to transition. That has been the best thing for me. Um, being a therapist in, in my business. Is there any issues? What's, what's the main, I mean, I mean, there's, there's obviously confidentiality, but is there any main issues that these people struggle with? Just cause we, I want to really exude empathy and for people out there who may run into certain people, you know, day to day in the office, on the street, wherever you are. Now we're start, slowly starting to reopen anything that they're struggling with that people should know about so that they kind of make it, have a second thought when it comes to interacting. 
Yeah. So one thing for a lot of my trans clients is that this theory of having to pass, like we have to decide if you're male or female and you can't be in between. Let me tell you, there is an in between from transitioning from male to female. There is no way about it. There is times when you might look more masculine than feminine and you might not pass. But then there are other people who are like, I don't give a shit about passing. I'm just going to be who I am. But one thing that does come up is that if somebody finds out that one of my clients is trans and they say, oh, I couldn't even tell. Or the other thing is, is like, oh, but you're really a man, but you really look good. I couldn't tell that you were a man because you look really good as a woman. Like, it sounds like it should be a compliment, but it really isn't because that person is female or mm. that person is male. It's just that they're body does not match who they are. Um, so I think that's one of the things just to kind of keep um, in the back of your mind of like, the first thing that comes out of your mouth should not be like, oh, I couldn't even tell. That's, that's one of the big ones, not to say. So it's definitely a no-no. Any, you know, because I know there, there are certain people that are worried that you know, if I know somebody who's LGBTQ or I run across somebody like you mentioned, uh, I don't want to say anything out of order because obviously I don't want to, you know, feel the guilt of, of hurting some feelings. I don't want to blow back on me and, and ruin my reputation or for whatever reason it may be. Are there any do's and don'ts that uh, somebody who's not a member of the community when you're interacting with someone who is, any mm -hmm. um, best practices you can share or any type of uh, etiquette? Yeah, I would say if you make a mistake, apologize for the mistake and move on. Don't make a big deal out of it. If you're like in a big room of people um, and then maybe after take the person aside and apologize to them um, and maybe have a conversation about what you really meant or the mistake that you made. The one embarrassing thing is that if you use the wrong pronouns for somebody um, and then be like, Oh shoot, sorry, I forgot. And then it's just awkward. So if you just say or correct yourself with the pronouns, he, I mean, she, and then, you know, just apologize after. That's good to know. Good to know. Now is, is being LGBTQ an, an identity or is it just a sexual preference? Well, that's, that is kind of um, an interesting thing because LGB is sexuality while T transgender is an identity. And there's been like this back and forth of like, why are they throwing the T in there when T doesn't have to do with sexuality? It has to do with identity. Right. Um, so there's a mixture of both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I know some gay people, they say, hey, it's my identity. It's, it's in my DNA. Um, and other people, they say, well, it's just a sexual mm -hmm. preference. Right. So I didn't know if mm -hmm. there was a, a hardline stance on that as far as that community. No, I mean, it could be the same as like, I am a female entrepreneur versus I'm an entrepreneur. You know? No, that's true. Yeah, no, it's, that's a great, great, great point. Now, I know you have a very uh, successful Facebook page. It's, it's for your private practice, right? It's private practice made easy. Uh, what's, what makes it so special? Why should people check it out? It is for other healers um, because a lot of the stuff that we need to know about running a business as a healer, we have never been taught. And one thing that we have been taught as healers is that we shouldn't want to make money. We should just be lucky if we get paid for our services and just continue to give, give, give until we have nothing else to give and we're just ready to die. Um, so this group is really like saying, 
okay, this is how you run your business. This is how you can make money. And this is how you can make money so that you can help more people. Um, and so money isn't something that's shamed in our group. And it's also a place for support um, because being a healer can be really difficult at times and other healers can understand that. Yeah, that must be way really heavy on you. I mean, meeting with so many people who are in pain or that really need or in need. And, uh, you know, even though you're helping them, it must weigh heavy on you. Is it true that, you know, you look at mentors and they have mentees, but, you know, mentors, they also have a mentor. Is it the mm -hmm. same way for therapists where, you know, you are a therapist, but you also may need one as well? Heck yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I have run into is like having a therapist wanting business advice <laughs> during my therapy sessions. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, I love that show. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. But I'll never forget. You probably relate to this when he um, he's in the locker room and he has this rash on his finger or something. He's like, "Can you just look at this real quick?" And then it was the sports therapist guy, and he's like, "No, I don't have time." He goes, "Come on, it's real fast. Just just look at this real quick, right?" And he says, hey, "What do you do for a living, Larry?" He says, um, "I'm a writer." He goes, "Okay, why don't you go write me some shit for free?" Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly how it can feel. Yeah. That is that is great. Um, now you're in Rhode Island, yes? Yes. How is it out there? Is it is it is that's more of a conservative? See, I I dated one girl from Rhode Island years and years and years ago, but she moved. I probably know her. Yeah, because <laughs> there's only like five of us here. <laughs> well, yeah, she transplanted to L.A. and she hated every minute of it. But uh, it's uh, is is Rhode Island very conservative? I'm not sure. I should take a look at the map with the red and the blue, but I haven't. Well, I think that it depends on what part of Rhode Island you are. So where I am in Providence, East Providence, I would say it's pretty liberal. But if you drive 45 minutes south, it's pretty conservative. Um, where I grew up, I mean, we probably had two people of color in my school. Oh, so, wow. yeah, yeah. And I can remember both of their names because it was <laughs> like, just so like, oh, there's two people of color. <laughs> Yeah, out here, you're just, it's just, it's funny because, like I was mentioning, you know, growing up in California, I mean, from preschool on, I mean, it's just, this is just life. There is no, you don't really see color. I mean, you do, but you don't. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so yeah. interesting. It's, it's, you know, elementary school, literally, I mean, it's, it's just, there's an equal spread of everyone. And that's, you know, partly due to the busing system, which I thought was actually a good thing. A lot of people don't think it's a good thing, but it did what we talked about earlier was introduce you to other communities and vice versa, introduce them to other communities. So it's just, it was a, it was a really cool thing and there was no bias. There was just nothing. It was just awesome. You know, that's why I would wish that we could all go back to meet kids again. Right. But, yes. Uh, yeah. It's the reason I asked that I was wondering your opinion on this. Uh, what do you think about a third party? I don't know. I just came out of the blue for me asking this because you know, right now this election's happening and it's very, it's mm. dividing everyone. I mean, people are getting so passionate and heated about this. I mean, I'm seeing people drop people from Facebook, I'm seeing people get vulgar and crazy and violent with other people that they were friends or even family with, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Um, marriages. Marriages are breaking up over it. It is insane. It is absolutely insane. I think the older I get, it's weird. I get more tolerant. I mean, I have two kids now, too. So it's just, you know, you learn patience, a lot of patience. But it's, it's funny with politics, there are things where, you know, sometimes like, oh, yeah, you know, and I jump on it. But I really try to look, look at things factually and from a middle ground perspective. Kind of like Joe Rogan, you know, you listen to his podcast, same way. He's just brainstorming and trying to figure it out. But mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if a third party would be the, you know, just the system is broken. You wonder if they would just take this system and shove it down the toilet. 
either start over or start a third party. You know, I'm thinking like the best of both. Mm-hmm. You, know, you take because li- like I told you, I my half my family they're conservative, half my family is liberal. Just take the best of both, smush it together. You know, I don't know. You have yeah, to- I mean that would be ideal, right? If we could just kind of like not have to pick sides. If we could just kind of come together, um, or you know if you believe in one thing versus another thing, like what side does that put you on it? Yeah. It's really tearing us apart. Families are being torn apart because of this stuff. And that's not what politics and stuff was supposed to be meant for, but that's what it's turned out to be. Yeah. No, I hear you. Anything, uh, Melissa, that I did not ask that I should have. No, I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) Any (laughs) insights or any words of wisdom, anything you want to leave us with, before we wrap up. One of the words of wisdom I like to give all entrepreneurs is if you ask not, you get not. So just throw it out there. If you want something, ask for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody says no. And I think that living by that philosophy has really helped me grow as fast as I've been able to grow. It's great, great advice. And you know, kudos to the success you went out there and said, hey, I'm going to go out there on my terms, do things my way. And you're obviously very happy and very successful, and that's awesome. You have this great energy about you. And, uh, you know, I can tell you're very passionate about inspiring others and really helping others. And that's what it's all about, you know, finding your big why, going out there and making it happen. So definitely, definitely appreciate that. Very last question. This is a personal question. This is to get to know Hmm. Melissa, uh, you know, at at your essence, right? So you're on an island for the rest of your natural life. You can only bring one album, one movie, and one book. What are they? Ooh, so my one album would probably be Tupac's All Eyes on Me. I know it's a double oh, wow. disc, but <laughs> yeah. hey, no, no, I maximize. Listen, I you know it's funny. I was just listening to a couple of tracks from that a couple of days ago. I remember when that came out. Uh, very, very good album. Yes, very good. So that would be the one that I would uh, bring out. Um, and my movie, I'm not a really big movie fan, but probably Never Ending Story. Oh, because yes. that just brings up such nice, good, ooey feelings. And there's so many, like, you know, hidden, like, lessons that could be learned. And then what was my third thing? Third thing is book. What book? Ooh. That's a tough one. Yeah, because I don't like to read books twice. <laughs> I would want to get, like, um, a subscription that would send me one book a time. Yeah, that would be great. That would be ideal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, um, in in the essence of Dwight Schrute, I guess it would be like the medical manual, <laughs> just in case something happened. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How to survive on an island or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Melissa. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Really appreciate you joining today. Uh, it's been very insightful. Uh, you know, we've asked some tough questions, and you were more than gracious to answer them. Have a wonderful birthday. I know your birthday's tomorrow. Celebrate, but don't celebrate too hard. People are depending on you. <laughs> yes, I know, right? <laughs> and have a great Labor Day. Would love to uh, to pick your brain again, and I'll definitely support your business. How do we get in touch, Melissa? How do we buy your book? How do we get in touch uh, for your services? You can get a hold of my delightful self at melissadasilva.com. Well, phenomenal. Melissa, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Have a wonderful rest of the day, a wonderful birthday, Labor Day, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you very much. You are welcome. 
you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line. 